Welcome to Hub & Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub & Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription-based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of NGI's Hub & Flow podcast. This is Patrick Rao, NGI's Director of Strategy and Research, and I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about the incredible price volatility we've been seeing in global natural gas prices lately, with a particular focus on prices here at home in the United States. Now, as I sit here on August the 23rd, 2022, Henry Hub prices are trading close to $10 per MMBTU, while gas in Asia and Europe That's changing hands at $45 and $80 per MMBTU, respectively, in crazy times indeed here. Now, gas price volatility has certainly been at historically high levels lately, but will high levels of volatility continue? The market definitely thinks so. Last week, I took a look at the implied or forward-looking volatilities of the 19 different commodities that make up the CRB index which is a basket of agriculture, metals, and energy products, and a very popular measure of inflation. And the findings, they're pretty stark. The median implied annualized volatility of those 19 commodities, 28%. The second highest is R-bobbed gasoline at 55%. And the highest, you got it. Henry Hub Natural Gas at 78%. To uh, put that perspective, TTF, that's got an applied volatility of 75% with NBP in the UK and JKM both closer to 100%. Now, you can compare that to what the implied volatility is for the S&P 500 equity index, and that is just 21%. So that really does help to show just how mind-blowing that gas volatility is right now in terms of prices. Now, remember that volatility, it's simply a measure of price changes, and those could be up or down. Related to that, our own Kevin Dobbs wrote a story last week in NGI where one source mentioned $13 Henry Hub prices could be in store soon, while there are some bears out there that are concerned about the impacts a potential recession may have on pricing, and I'll speak to that in a moment. Regardless, they are both emblematic of volatility, and I'd like to quickly discuss seven contributors to U.S. natural gas volatility that have very much been in the news lately. Now, these aren't necessarily in order of causality or importance, but I think there's something of a natural flow to them, so that's why I've ordered them as such. The first thing I'll quickly talk about is service cost inflation, and, and I'll note that every set of quarterly natural gas earnings calls seem to have a topic du jour. Last quarter, it was LNG. This time, it was inflation. It was easily inflation. Nearly every U.S. oil and gas producer has increased their 2022 CapEx budget, largely on inflation, not increased activity. In fact, Patterson UTI said this past June that over the previous six to nine months, that land day day rates for land rigs, rather, they had risen the fastest they had ever seen. Now, at more than 90% utilization, top-tier oil field service equipment is essentially sold out for this year and for even a good part of 2023. And that has caused many EMP companies to start acquiring equipment for next year already, well ahead of the normal cycle. OFS supply and demand is tight, not only because of supply chain issues, 
but also because equipment providers have shown the same degree of discipline that producers have in terms of spending. They simply aren't flooding the market with rigs and fracking fleets right now. And given huge supply chain issues and associated lead times, hey, they really couldn't add rigs right now if they even wanted to. More rigs and crews will become available next year, but that's going to require CapEx to bring equipment up to snuff, and there will be a cost to that, and that will likely push equipment prices even higher. Now, EMP companies, they haven't set their CapEx budgets for 2023 just yet, but the only word seems to be that they're baking in inflation at another 10 to 15% for 2023, and they're sticking to maintenance and low to single digit percentage growth projections, by the way. Now, mind you, that 10 to 15%, that's a net inflation figure or inflation after the benefits of any additional productivity and efficiency gains. So let me throw this in as well. Producers also aren't in as great a hurry to hedge production as they were in the past, given current high prices and improved balance sheets. So here's the rub. If commodity prices fall, these prices will likely fall faster than oil field service prices do. So that means rigs may come off sooner and harder, especially among the privates. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but we believe the market is better set up for that to happen, which builds an increased amount of systemic price volatility into the system. A second hot topic right now in contributive volatility, it's, of course, continued producer discipline among the publics and public producers, they still account for roughly two thirds of all oil and gas production in the United States. And they are still very much in capital conservation mode. None of them are really willing to commit to more than 5% production growth next year. It's certainly possible now that these producers could change their production mix a bit in favor of natural gas. So that could nudge gas production a bit higher year over year in 2023, but we're likely not talking about anything too dramatic here. One thing not helping here is that uh, the level of ducks or drilled or uncompleted wells, those continue to dwindle in the U.S. and are approaching what we now believe to be a base stock level. It's much the same story on the oil side, where globally, spare oil production capacity is at historically low levels, oil inventories are low, and OPEC Plus remains committed to keeping production growth under wraps. In the U.S., obviously, that has impacts on associated gas production. So, look, the bottom line here is that we don't expect the flood of production to help drive back U.S. natural gas prices meaningfully next year. And that could help add to the volatility. Number three, LNG and global gas markets. You know, it certainly seems that uh, energy security has replaced energy transition as a driving mantra in our industry. And I even heard that term several times during conference calls this quarter. I mean, look, even global coal burn, that's at a 10-year high. We're supposed to be going the other way with coal. So we note that the U.S. became the number one global LNG exporting nation in the first half of 2022. And that makes our market all the more intertwined with global prices. Moreover, the U.S. is looking to add to that with more than 40 million tons per annum, or about five and a half, five, five and a half BCF a day of LNG offtake agreements signed in the U.S. so far this year. Now, interestingly, and this is a bit of an aside, E&P companies are going out of their way right now to highlight their long-term drilling inventories in their investor relations presentations, and I don't think that's a coincidence at all. Yeah, they need to have that inventory to support a longer-term dividend, which they're all starting to institute in large part. But in our view, what's going on here, these investor relations programs, this is their marketing themselves directly to would-be international LNG buyers. 
as in they're saying, look, we have the inventory. We are RSG certified, and increasingly, we are investment grade. IR presentations among U.S. producers, they're turning to global physical market sales documents, which is very interesting to me. I know I'm digressing here, and back to point, I had to get that in. And the back to point is, is that in 2021, power burn comprised roughly 30% of U.S. gas demand versus only 10% for LNG exports. As such, we believe that power demand still has the largest incremental impact on U.S. gas prices. But by 2030, we expect those percentages to be much closer together, around 20% for each. So it's really not all that far-fetched to argue that LNG may become the incremental determinant of U.S. gas prices, and relatively soon. Now, picture it. Can you imagine if U.S. gas were facing price-on-price competition with $80 TTF gas prices right now? If so, Henry Hub prices could be a hell of a lot higher than $10 MMBTU, if that were the case. Now, of course, there's a chicken and the egg element to this because, if hey, if Europe had access to more U.S. gas, prices there likely wouldn't be much lower, or they would be much lower than $80 per MMBTU, but you get the idea here. Now, as Russia and the Ukraine conflict has shown, there are serious vulnerabilities to worldwide natural gas platform, and that can't help but impact prices at the Henry Hub, given our growing role as a supplier to the world. Said differently, for the first time really in modern history, U.S. natural gas prices will be subject to global political risk and market forces. And that right there is enough to promise that volatility for U.S. natural gas prices will be structurally higher than they were even two years ago. The fourth thing I want to talk about quickly here, it's power generation. Look, renewables are an extremely important part of the current and future global energy mix, and this is a point that we do not dispute. We absolutely do not dispute that. However, I think we've all seen what happens when world economies switch from relatively stable fossil fuels to intermittent renewables too quickly. For example, natural gas prices in California have been as volatile as they've ever been in recent years amid their conversion to more renewables. Now, all those issues with Aliso Canyon certainly have helped with that, but, uh, but you get the idea. But the U.S. has retired a third of its coal fleet. And with another wave of coal plant retirements afoot, that's only going to add to the layer of structural volatility going forward as renewables comprise a bigger piece of the power gen pie. But the reduction of coal-fired capacity also means that the U.S. is losing its ability to balance the market via gas to coal switching. And here's an example. Just this past June, U.S. natural gas power burn was about two Bs higher year over year amid hotter than normal temperatures. But if you adjust for weather, power burn still would have been up by about a BCF a day. And the reason for that, of course, is structural changes in the market because of coal plant retirements. So we think that these structural changes will likely continue to grow, and that's just going to add to U.S. natural gas price volatility, everything else being equal. Fifth thing out there right now, it's recent legislation in the United States. And this is really a topic for another podcast, and you can definitely look for one from us about this shortly. Two quick main things to discuss. One, of course, is the Inflation Reduction Act, or IRA, which should encourage more oil and gas drilling on federal lands. And while that's nice, we still have to get over the reticence to spend from public producers. So maybe this will only have a marginal impact in the short run. The act should also be a boost to renewables, and that will not only boost renewable power generation, but also promote hydrogen, which will likely provide longer-term competition for natural gas, particularly green hydrogen. 
The IRA has a methane tax, but we think it's still a bit too early to say how this could quite impact things. Many buyers and sellers are already veering towards RSG anyway, which of course is methane friendly. So, I mean, this is something that's already been happening, but maybe the, the methane tax helps to accelerate things and that could have a little bit of impact on price volatility. One more thing in the IRA, it's got an alternative minimum tax of 15%, and that will likely have a growing impact as time goes on. Look, many US EMPs, they still have sufficient net operating losses and aren't cash taxpayers just yet, but this certainly could force someone to pay cash taxes several years sooner than normal. This increases the chances that EMPs could be even more conservative with their cash balances down the line, especially again because most of them are instituting a a growing uh, base dividend. Conserving cash here could mean lower drill bed activity and higher price volatility, everything else being equal. The other quick piece of legislation is to streamline pipeline permitting. In the short term, we believe that this greatly increases the prospects of getting the 2.0 BCF Mountain Valley Pipeline in service, especially since that is nearly completed. But I'll note that there were several prominent analysts at the LDC Forum in Denver last week that expressed doubts that that will move the needle all that much on permitting longer term. If they are wrong and more pipelines are built, that likely would help reduce absolute level of gas prices in the U.S., but it will also help lead to more LNG export facilities. And as I just mentioned, that will likely add to the element of future volatility to the market. Anyway, there's a lot to sort out here with these uh, legislation acts. And while the net impact of them could indeed again be to lower the absolute level of gas prices, they're likely also going to help increase price volatility. Two more quick ones and I'll go away. One is recession fears. I mentioned it earlier. I'll note uh, here in my little Bloomberg terminal that the consensus estimate right now places the odds of a U.S. recession within the next year at 50%. That's 5-0%. And that's up from 15% exiting 2021. Now, the impact on oil and gas prices in the U.S. will likely depend on just how severe a recession we may see, again, assuming we have one. The prevailing wisdom from oil field service companies is a mild recession would likely bring demand back in line with global oil and gas supply and therefore not have a catastrophic impact on EMP activity. But if we do get a deep and prolonged economic downturn, then all bets are off, especially since we believe producers aren't as hedged as much for 2023 as they otherwise may have been and could therefore drop more rigs quickly in the face of a large decline in demand. Now, all that being said, It really would take a serious recession to add to serious price volatility in our view, but we do know that that is something of a risk. And if you believe consensus estimates, it's a risk that continues to grow. Finally, it's just weather and storage. And we know that this is one of the things that has the biggest impact, if not the biggest impact on gas prices in the short run. U.S. gas and storage is currently 367 BCF below the five-year average, with time starting to run out here in the injection season. Now, the Freeport LNG uh, facility going down has added two Bs a day to the market, and that, which was supposed to come on here in a few weeks, it's now expected to be online in November. And that's going to help with injections. But countering that in the LNG world is that Kalkashu Pass continues to ramp. Related, we note that Chenier, they've been running their export facilities at a 93% capacity utilization since 2021, versus just 80% for the rest of the world. 
Meanwhile, we believe U.S. LNG exporters in general have been deferring maintenance on these facilities. They've been running them full bore. So this could impact U.S. storage coming out of the winter once all these or many of these start to go down. So don't know that that's going to happen going into the winter, but coming out of it, this could certainly be an impact. All in all, it's obviously hard to predict whether too far ahead. But I'll say this is one of the main topics that our market reporters discuss several times a day at NGI, so you can get the latest thinking there. In fact, they and the rest of our editorial staff write on all seven of these topics each day. So if you subscribe to us, we invite you to read their work. And if you don't, you can always email us at sales at naturalgasintel.com and ask for a free trial. So in conclusion, we at NGI, we're not going to try to predict which way U.S. natural gas prices are likely headed, as there are still many exogenous variables out there, such as weather, that can really move the pricing needle one way or the other. What we are comfortable concluding, however, is that the U.S. gas market is fundamentally different from what it was during the halcyon days of rampant natural gas production in this country, and it will continue to evolve in the years ahead. That means increased natural gas volatility has become a structural part of this market, and that is only likely to intensify in the years ahead. That's all I have for today, and I know that was a lot of material, but hey, this is a pretty intense topic, so there was a lot to cover. Anyway, on behalf of everyone at Natural Gas Intelligence, I thank you for your time today, and I wish you continued health and happiness wherever you are. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and talk again soon. Dependable data drives informed business decisions. Trust NGI to provide your natural gas and LNG data for North America. If your business requires daily, weekly, or bid-week pricing data, forward curves, or flow data, NGI has a reliable product suite to support you. Visit natgasintel.com backslash services to understand what we have to offer and how we can help you and your business today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub & Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the resources tab to find the podcast page.